welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. So good to be in the room with you today. So good to be in church with all of you this morning. And I'll get straight into this because I want to share and impart some things to us today that I hope that we'll carry beyond this room. And I want to talk to you today about digging the riverbed. And uh, I guess we all know what a riverbed is. It's a very simple explanation to something, but I felt this week that that's, you know, just a thought at least that I want to move down this place this morning. It's not a trick question, neither is it a complicated answer to what exactly a riverbed is, but... A riverbed is simply ground that's been carved out. It is, it is, a riverbed is a channel, it's a place, a simple explanation is it's a place where ground has been prepared to carry a volume of water. And it is with that context today that I bring at least something of this word and we won't be able to move too far beyond where I think that we need to go beyond this, but I at least want to sow something of a seed thought in this place today. And I pray, I pray that we can see what God wants to do with it in the coming days and weeks. So, you know, I was thinking this week about our beginnings and I really appreciate our early beginnings because, you know, it it was in our beginnings when we really had nothing, knew nothing, came from nothing, that we learned to walk by faith literally learn to walk by faith in in every aspect of our lives. And, you know, we learn to walk and trust God by faith in the little things and the small things in the, in the everything's really. But, and then when life grew and, you know, life became more expanded, we learned to trust God in the greater things as well. But, um, you know, small beginnings are more of a blessing to you than what you can appreciate. Sometimes we think it's the big and it's the great and it's the, you know, it's the big picture that is more of a blessing. Not always. And usually no, I would say no. But small beginnings are a blessing because it's there that you learn to trust God. And it's there that you learn to apply the principles of what God is showing you along the path that I don't think you ever outgrow. I don't believe you ever really outgrow what he teaches you at the start because so often he says to us, go back to what I showed you at the beginning. Go back to what I taught you back there in the garden or go back to what I showed you at the start because it was that place that was your most authentic It was that place where you were in the most vulnerable place, the place where you trusted the most and believed the most and called on God the most because you had nothing in your past to draw upon, but you were in that moment where, God, if it's not you, then it's nothing. It's God, it's got to be you. And and yet God says, go back there again. Learning to understand and meet God in the ordinary. And when I say the ordinary, I mean the ordinary places of our lives that we would say that's work, that's family, it's finance or or even our future. It's in the ordinary everydays of life that you begin to cut out and carve out 
and make a place, what I would call today this riverbed, and I'm talking a riverbed because that's the picture that the Lord showed me this week, was a, was a riverbed that was carved out for God to fill. It's a riverbed for God to do something in that space. It's a riverbed for the Holy Spirit to come and do what only the Spirit of God can do. It's a place that's been prepared. It's a place that's been dug out. It's a place that's been carved out. And it, it didn't get there by accident. It got there because somebody carved out a place for God to fill. And that was the picture that God gave me this week. And, you know, when I think about these things, I automatically, and it's a scripture that I'll refer to, but I automatically think, what did Isaac do in his time? And we all have a time, we all have a season, we all have a moment. We have a part in, in God's, you know, if you want to talk history, it sounds elaborate, but it's not. It's just that we've all got a time and a season and a space and a spot to carve out something for God to do something. And if this is our time, then we've got to, we've got to carve and cut something out for God to fill. And so when I think about these things, I think about the wells that Isaac dug in Genesis 26, 18. And we'll just read a portion of that, but there's so much more. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names that his father had given them. Now, for time's sake, I'll just stay on that one verse for the moment. But I think the key, key word there is to reopen. It's like the wells had to be reopened. They were once open, they were closed, and now they had to be reopened. And the reason that they needed to be reopened was that they were built for purpose. They were built for a reason. They were meant to be filled with water. They were meant to supply the people with water, but... The wells had been blocked and stopped and filled up with dirt and they could no longer, they could no longer uh, supply their purpose, if you want to use that kind of word. But Isaac was the one who did something about it. Who knows that God raises up somebody to do something about something. We sometimes have this nefarious attitude that God's just going to just show up in the by and by. He calls somebody his spirit comes upon somebody. He opens somebody's eyes. He opens up somebody's heart. He awakens something which is dormant within us. He alerts us to something. He shows us a picture. He gives you a dream. Some have visions. Some get this moment with God. I don't know what it means, but I just know there's a moment right now where God is about to do something and He's done something on me. I can't ignore it. I don't know what to do with it, but I just know something has got to be dug out for God to do something. Sometimes it's that. And the next part of this was that somebody had to dig. I noticed three things when I read this Genesis 26 scripture is that, and it's the question that we've been bringing to our church the last year and a bit is what do you see? And that's come through the two books that we've been focusing on, what do you see? But when I looked at that this week, I thought, it goes beyond what you see, it's also about what you think. And then it goes beyond what you see and what you think, and then it goes into somebody has to dig something for God to fill. 
Somebody has to dig a place for water to be there, for water to flow, for the Spirit of God to occupy. God has to have somebody who'll dig. Because what you see in the beginning is only the beginning of the journey. When he starts to speak to you things like lift up your eyes and look to the horizon and see what's coming and I'm about to do this, it's only the start, it's only the beginning. What do you see? It's a starting point. And then beyond the seeing, you move into something else and I'll keep the context of the scripture that we're in this morning. And I saw this for the first time and I've never really taken any great notice of it before, but I believe that what Isaac did when he started to dig was take dominion. He started to take dominion. And when Isaac started to dig those wells that had now been filled with dirt instead of water, what he was doing was taking dominion over the harm. He was taking dominion over the damage of the past. And of course, the enemy back then was this uh, tribe of people, this community of people called the Philistines. That was the enemy of Israel back then. They had cut off the water supply. They dried up the wells. And all I can say in that moment is thank God. Thank God for somebody who sees. Thank God for someone who says. But most of all, thank God for somebody who does and somebody who has the faith to say that this wasteland is not going to remain a wasteland, that this place of ruin is not going to stay in ruins, that this place that the enemy has brought his mess and his damage and his carnage all over that place, I am going to do something about this. I'm going to dig out something for God to do something supernatural in this place. We're not going to keep on thinking about ruins. We're not going to keep on thinking about damage. We're not going to keep on talking about all the things of the past. But right now in this moment of time, God's about to fill the wells. God's about to fill the trenches. God's about to fill the riverbed that somebody, thank God, went behind seeing and overthinking and talking about it all over the place. But God says, will somebody dig in this time and in this hour? Isaiah 41.19 says, and I want you to know that Isaiah 41:19 applies to 2023. It says, "I will make river flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs." You see what the enemy did in the past, and I know we've all got our stories. Who doesn't? Who hasn't? We've all been there. Some of us are there. But somebody has to rise up and say, no longer will that affect my today. No longer will that sabotage my days ahead. Because God is able to fill up wells again. You see, where we tread is holy ground. Where you tread is holy ground. And it's not that we're anything. We are nothing. There's not one of us here that is better than the other. None of us are anything outside of Christ. But once you are born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not just you. You are filled by the Spirit of God and where your feet tread and you sanctify that place and you tread on that ground and you say, this is holy ground because God's about to do something in this place right now. It becomes ground that God fills and God changes. It's holy because He's holy. And when you begin to dedicate that place and speak over that place, it becomes a place of faith. 
and it becomes a place of breakthrough and it becomes a place of declaration and proclamation and it becomes an announcement that once it was dry, but it's not gonna stay that way. That once it was ruined, but it's not gonna stay in ruins because water is going to flow here again. And instead of talking about the ruin and the mess of what the enemy has done and give attention to him, I will give attention to the words of God over this place. And I declare health and healing, restoration and recovery and water is going to flow again. We gotta build again with these words. Build again the riverbed of our own lives with hope and expectation. Don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Make it about Him. We live near water. And from time to time, you see the heavy machinery move in, which always excites me because I kind of like that sort of stuff. I, I like dirt. I mean, I don't like being in it, but I like watching it get all dug up and something's about to happen there. And someone starts to dig out a channel that you know somewhere, somewhere that channel will be filled with water. But the riverbed's got to be dug first before anyone lets water flow into it. And what I've discovered just in my very simplistic approach to this is that there's two different types of riverbeds. There's many different types of soils, which we don't go into today, but there's two different types of riverbeds. The first one is obvious, it's dry. It's a dried up riverbed, it's empty, it's barren, no water flows through it. Maybe at different times water came and then it got dry. And if we had more time, we could talk about the reasons why the riverbed gets dry just from a natural human perspective. But the other the riverbed is the one that I want to focus on the most this morning and it's the riverbed that contains water. As you know, we've been speaking from the book of Ezekiel and it probably wouldn't have been a book that we would have focused on if God had not told us to. And when he speaks about something, you follow it through. When he speaks and gives your attention on something, you start to look at it. Why? Because there's healing in that river. There's restoration in that water. There's fruit, there's prosperity in that water. There's, there's a life beyond what you've got today, but it's also this highlight is that in this vision that Ezekiel gets, it's a man, it's a vision. I think it's even of a church and a people, even of a generation if we are willing, that are willing to be led by the Spirit of God and not just rely upon our own selves or our own cleverness or our own wisdom or our own whatevers and say, I am willing, ready and able right now and I surrender to be led by the Spirit of God in my day. It's a picture of the two versions of our lives, what our lives could be. The dry riverbed or the one that's filled with water. There's a story right there. The two versions of yourself. Which one do you want to be? Which one will you choose? You say, well, I've got a thousand reasons why my riverbed of my life is dry and empty. There comes a time when you've got to stop putting the somebodies or the someone or the something or the whatevers over what God is about to do in your life and say, I surrender that. I stick that underneath my feet for this is holy ground and I'm letting the Spirit of God deal with that and I'm digging out a new riverbed for God to fill. We've not seen yet. For eye has not seen or ear heard what God has in store for those who love Him. He's not finished. 
and he's not finished with you. The book of Job is not always everyone's favorite book to go to because it's got some tough things in it. Two translations of Job 8, 7 says, your beginnings will seem humble, but so prosperous will your future be. That was in the NIV and the New King James, it says, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end will increase abundantly. See, these scriptures describe, and even the book of Job says that, yes, there are dry riverbed times. Yes, there are wilderness times, but they are not permanent. And if you get stuck in that thinking, my life, this is the permanent me now. This is the new me now. It's a dried up wilderness, old shriveled up place. Then that's what it will remain. But somebody has to see, someone has to think, someone has to know, someone has to start digging and say, that will not be my future any longer. I'm going to start to carve out the possibilities of God in my life and watch and see what God does with it. You see, God does different things to what we talk about. He talks about increase. He talks about things like wastelands becoming prosperous. He talks about fruitful places. We talk about barren places. He talks about lands flowing with milk and honey. We talk about giants. We so focus on the wrong things. It's no wonder that we're so often limited from the possibilities of God. God speaks differently to us and thank God he thinks differently to us. I need his words and not mine. I need his, his thoughts, not mine. He is able to take your life wherever it's at today and do something extraordinary with it because droughts do come, riverbeds do dry up. And I know there'd be a hundred different stories in this room and say, the drought caused this, the drought caused that, the drought caused this. There's a family drought, there's a finance drought, there's a health drought, there's a hope drought, there's a possibility drought. I don't know where my life is at, I just know I'm in a dry riverbed. You can change it today. You can change your stance, your posture today. Today, you start to dig out what God has in future for you. We all live in drought times because we all live on the same planet with the same devil running around. I tell you what, the moment we get a different perspective on that is the day your, chain, your life alters. Instead of putting circumstances, problems, pains, excuses at the top of the list all the time, it's time that those things came under the authority in the name of Jesus himself. Let every mountain become a level place. And even a riverbed of God's provision and answers, grace and mercy, miracles and encounters. His name is still the name that is above every other name. It is. It's still the name that's above every other name. And it's time again to open and to redig the wells again and let fresh water flow into our lives. If we are prepared to make room, to dig, to reopen your heart again to Him, he will supernaturally supply way beyond your own efforts. As you know, we've been looking at these scriptures in Haggai and Ezekiel and, you know, it dawned on me this week as I started to put these few thoughts together that what we've been doing oh, since March 2022 and over to March 23, what we've been digging as we've been following what God has given us, we've been carving out a riverbed. 
Every time we've prayed, every time we've spoken, every time we've prophesied, every time we've taught on that, every time we've worshipped around that, there's a riverbed that's been starting to be dug out for God to fill. It's the water of His Word that starts to dig out the river place. And then He begins to fill it with His Spirit. And that's where you start to get the Spirit of God moving because the Word and the Spirit are one. You can't separate them. They go together. I was reading this week, I was reading this week about some, uh, some men and women who actually didn't know anything about, but it's so interesting, and I wish I had more time, and I don't, know whether, I don't know whether there's anything in it, but for two weeks in a row, I've heard something. And I've heard something in both services last week and this week, and it's so strange. And anyway, I, I don't know. Maybe it's my imagination. I, maybe it is. Maybe it is, but... No, I don't think I'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Joseph gave what he saw, what he heard prematurely, and it landed flat, and he ended up being sold off to slavery. So I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> Come back next week. We'll see where we go. Got you holding on now, don't you? Don't I? But anyway, these people that I was reading about this week were recorded a few hundred years after Jesus came and Jesus went, was ascended to heaven. And uh, they were significant in their day. They were significant in their time. They lived in a different time, a different era, different situations, but they were known as the desert fathers and mothers. And they were known as, you know, the, the characteristics around their life was, you know, everything we should all desire, really. They were known as men and women who had uncompromising faith, and dedication to God. And they, what they would do, they would leave the towns, the regions and the cities and go out into the desert and devote themselves to seeking the face of the Father. They would go out there and they were known because their characteristics, they had a personal relationship with God the Father. An intimate, real, authentic, genuine, uncompromising relationship with God. Secondly was they developed this intense prayer life through fasting, through prayer. And I'm using these words. They didn't say this about them, but I saw as I read about them was what they were doing was carving out a riverbed in the culture and the times of their times for God to move and God to do something. And these people went out to the desert. As I said, they left the city and the towns behind. And what was happening through them praying and seeking God was that many were leaving the cities and joining them in the desert for prayer. Because Christianity at one time was illegal, then it became legal, and then it was under persecution, but then it became political. Who knows the devil does not like Christianity. If he can mess with it, with, with this, that, and the other thing, he will. So that was sort of the culture of their day. But eventually what was happening through these desert fathers and mothers, there were so many people now that were joining them, leaving the cities and going, joining them out there, that they were worried there'd be no one left in the city. Who knows that God still answers prayer like that? That when we begin to pray, God begins to draw. That when we begin to pray, God begins to stir. When we begin to pray, God begins to do something. It shows me that God still responds to prayer. And what happened, we've run out of time, but what happened was that what they did and carved out through prayer and dedication and fasting before the Lord, it started to change things way beyond their lifetime. 
And I believe God wants to do something that's way beyond our lifetime in Jesus' name. Perhaps it comes down to something as simple as opening the wells of your own personal life again and say, God, would you do something here, right now? If this is our desert plain, then God, I'm just I'm just opening up the wells of my own heart for you to do something again. Team, would you come back and I'll close with these last couple of thoughts. You've got to dig again. We've got to dig again. I've got to dig again. Believers have to dig again. Men and women that have got a heart after the heart of God will become so dissatisfied with being spectators will become so dissatisfied with just watching, enjoying, that was good, and off I go for another week. But when the Spirit of God starts to stir something within you, you're no longer satisfied with just being an observer, a spectator, an attender. It's like, God, I got to do something. If my own only desert place is within my home, in my lounge chair, praying for my family right now, then so be it. But I believe that you're able to bring water into that desert place. You got to dig again and create a space and make room for God to do something. I mentioned dominion, taking dominion over your past and God will do something in your now. A friend of ours swims and just so you hear me in what I'm about to say, I do not recommend this. I do not advise this. I don't tell you to do this. I don't tell you to test God in this. Just letting you know right up front. But my friend who swims, they live in New South Wales, who swims in the local creeks every day. The, you know, the whatever that is, that waterway, that creek thing. Byron's first reaction was, there are bull sharks in there. She said, yeah, but I just take dominion over that. I take dominion over my territory. Wherever I am, I take dominion over that space. I don't advise you to swim in the creeks or the canals. Don't test God unless you, He tells you to do something. But and even with that, I would say, you, you want to make sure you've heard from God. Just, just letting you know. But what if we got to that fresh place of conviction and said, I am, I'm going to take dominion over this thing. That thing that's been on this repeat cycle. And I've been in a swamp and a marsh as a result of that. My riverbed of my life has dried up. But I'm getting back to a place of consecration and conviction. I'm getting back into a place again of just letting God do and let fresh water flow into my life. What if we started to dig a fresh riverbed of faith and of trust and say, greater is He that's in me than he that's in this world? What has been such a problem can turn into such a provision. What has wearied you and worn you down can turn into a fresh place of worship. That which you've run out of, God is able to fill again. That which has exhausted you and even had you in a place of fear can become a new riverbed of faith for God to do something. He speaks life. How do we dig? 
Well, in the next two minutes, I'll give you one example. How do we dig? His kingdom is a voice-activated kingdom. You may not like that, but there's many scriptures to support what I'm saying. Mark 11 is one. He tells us to speak to the mountain and tell that mountain to be removed. He doesn't tell us to run around the mountain, play around the mountain, exhaust ourselves with the mountain, complain about the mountain, tell 10 friends about the mountain. He says, speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. Ezekiel is told to use his voice to bring breath back to Israel that could no longer stand on their feet. Their wells had dried up. They'd moved away from their purpose. They'd become disconnected from the grace and the power of God. And Ezekiel is told to use his voice and God would bring breath back to his people. Jesus speaks to the centurion's servant that wasn't even in proximity with Jesus in that same hour, that servant was healed of his condition. The earth that we, as we see it today was spoken into existence by none other than God Himself. We are told that we'll be judged by our words that we speak how reckless we are with that, how careless we are, how unaccountable we are with our own words. As we speak about ourselves and we speak about others, there's a judgment that belongs to that. He speaks life and not death. He speaks blessing and not cursing. And He says, now you choose which riverbed you want to live in. You can live in the riverbed of judgment, of cursing if you want, that's your choice. Or you can live in the riverbed of blessing and of His words and see Him fill that riverbed with the words that He watches over to perform. See, one of the ways that we dig out a riverbed is to learn the vocabulary of God and to begin to dig and to redig that riverbed for God to fill again. And it's the place to start. And maybe it's your place to start today. I know it's my place. And this word applies to all of us in different ways, I know. But I tell you, I've got things that want to dry up my faith and dry, dry up my hope and drive up my, dry up my belief and my expectation. But I tell you, I cannot go to that place. I've got enough measure of faith in me to say, God, this is holy ground. This is holy ground. And I'm going to pour out your word over this and dig out a riverbed of forgiveness, dig out a riverbed of grace, dig out a riverbed of healing, dig out a riverbed of whatever you want to bring into that riverbed. And God is able to fill it with the word that he watches over to perform. You know, this, this word is a life-changing word if we'll do something with it. It is a life-changing word. And I feel the grace of God. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I feel it's decision day. I really do. It's a, it's, a, it's a decision day. 
what you'll do with this. I'm looking at the clock and we're one minute, 20 seconds over. Who cares? It's like if I had a brick, I'd throw it at the clock right now. But my aim isn't great and it'd probably hit about the second row. Maybe the front row. It says, my grandson's there. I don't want to hit him. But you know what I'm talking about? I want you to stand to your feet. I want Jaden to sing, I surrender all. It's time we gave some things up and we surrendered. And we say, God, you fill that riverbed. I'm letting go of the hundred somebodies, the the 20 somethings. And I'm asking you to fill this riverbed with your grace and your healing, your recovery, your miracles, your grace, your touch, because I want to be filled again with the mighty presence and the touch of God upon my life. As His people, surrender in this few moments left in this service. I want us to worship Him and carve out a riverbed of worship and of praise and of honour. We worship You, Lord. We worship, we cry out to Your Name today, Lord. We bless Your Holy Name. Let's worship Him. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.